2: It's time to eat, drink, and be merry with your hosts, Lisa and
3: Nancy. Hey,
4: everybody. On today's Big Blend Radio Show, we are talking about craft wines. We're talking about small lot wineries. It's very exciting. Um, You know Linda Kassam, the food, wine, travel, shopping diva. And, you know, she's on our show all the time. We've got her articles over the years. Um, I'm like, I'm trying to think how many years now. It's been, been a while. It's been a while, over 10, 15 years. <laughs> We're all getting younger <laughs> by the second because we all drink wine. That's uh, but right. Linda Kassam knows about quality. That's why she's a diva. And today she is bringing uh, some amazing people on the show to talk about craft wine. And and she really is about quality, not only does she explore the country and the world, going out and searching the best wines, the best travel destinations, the best places to go shopping, because she really does like to shop, and that includes mm-hmm. wine. Uh, but she's also the president of the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association, and uh, we're very excited to have her back on the show. Every summer she's off drifting on a boat in you know, the Pacific Northwest, and it's been a while since we've said hello to her, so welcome back, Diva Linda. How are you?
5: I'm very good. Thank you very much. Voting season is over and we're back in Arizona. So uh, looking forward to developing some more wine, food, and maybe some travel articles if uh, we can get out and about. Well, and this pandemic has uh, really put a, put a pinch in my plans, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, there's always stuff to do and this is one of them. And um Really uh, interested, uh, and I have been for a long time, I, I, I should tell people that when I started my own wine journey, uh, mm. the most I knew about was uh, very low-end uh, brand wines. My palate at that point was um, uh, very sweet, and uh, I loved Muscat Canelli, if that tells you anything. I thought that was like the best wine in the entire world, and um, and then uh as as I started to drink more and more wines uh and became the uh pres- the director of a, a wine region in southern california of course my uh palate just uh really matured and eventually you begin to understand that um Muscat Canelli has its place as a sweet wine, but maybe your uh, tastes go further. But I'll tell you this, uh, at any gathering that I have at my house, people love sweet wines still yet. And as we used to say at meetings uh, at the um, Wine Growers Association, people talk dry and buy a sweet.
1: So Mm -hmm. there's
5: always a place for sweet wines, whether they're small craft wines or uh, large mass wines, Blue Nun comes to mind, uh, etc. Oh, so, um, yeah. Ripple, <laughs> that, that'll, Thunderbird. That'll yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, uh, that'll do it. But but anyway, when, uh, when I was able to uh, listen to a talk on uh, small craft wines and the and the uh, craft uh, association, small craft association, I was uh, just intrigued and thrilled, and and think that everybody should. Uh, Know that there's life beyond um, just uh, the mass-produced wines, and you know, take take a little time and uh, discover what a small lot wine, uh, whether it be sweet, medium, or dry, uh, has uh, has in store for you.
4: Diva Linda, you know, I think it's it's interesting. You know, you actually helped Nancy and I learn about wine tasting. We remember going up in the mountains in Julian mm-hmm. and Temecula, and um, <laughs> you got to, yes. you know. But I have to tell you, we've been to many, many, many more wineries now, and <laughs> each developed our, our palate. I know we're mm-hmm. recording the show today, and it is actually International Temp- Tempaneo
5: Day. Nancy, mm-hmm. your
4: favorite wine, nice right? My favorite. <laughs> yeah,
5: I love Tempranillo. Yeah, I me know
6: too. I did something about it.
4: But we've really learned a lot um, from you as we travel, and our palates have developed over the years. And we're very excited because we do have two winemakers on the show. We also have Carol. Uh, Carol is Carol Lawson is uh, the founder of the Craft Wine Association on the show, and I encourage you to go to the website craftwine.org. And I want to tell you, everyone, uh, Diva Linda has written an article about her craft wine adventures. Uh, you can see it right now on blendradioandtv.com. And we've also got William and Jennifer Layton joining us from Layton's Chance, um, and they are out in Maryland. This is an cool. incredible winery. We've been savoring their wines. Sweet, the nice dessert wine, we had that. And mm-hmm. um, I have to tell you, it's 4 o'clock where we are. It's actually after 4, and we did open this wonderful bottle of the 2018 Vintners Reserve, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And this is the best when you can actually have the wine and talk to the winemakers at the same time. So
6: welcome, Carol. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
4: It's good to have you on the show. And welcome, William. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
4: Hey, listen, thank you for making such amazing wine.
3: (laughs) I just have to (laughs) say,
4: (laughs) making our day happy. Yeah, no, really, really, really amazing. And then also we've got Jennifer, your wife, Jennifer. She is the general manager <laughs> of of the winery over in Maryland. So Jennifer, how are you doing?
7: I'm great. Thank you so much again for having us too. Oh, we, we, we are, are having we very it. much appreciate it.
4: Oh, we we appreciate you. We just wish Nancy and I wish that when we were in Maryland, like a couple weeks, how many weeks a, couple a few of weeks, weeks ago, ago. that um, we. I swear we drove by you. We were saying this yeah, before we started I recording. Think. I swear we drove <laughs> by, and I'm like, no way. Um, I wish we would stopped. And we're coming to see you because I know we'll be back to Maryland. And I just wanna, I know we wanna chat with Carol and 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 get into the whole craft wine. But William, uh, Maryland is a very interesting state. We didn't mm-hmm. expect to see the wetlands as much as we did. Um, you've got the ocean on one side. It seems like you've got such a diversity of terrain. Is that what helps make such wonderful wines like you have?
3: Maryland is, is really interesting because it's it does have, the state has a little bit of everything. Where we are, um, where our winery is located, we have a lot of wetlands. We're really low. We're only uh, eight feet above sea level. Um, and so uh, we can grow a certain type of grape and, and do Really good job with certain grapes, but you go to the other side of the Chesapeake Bay and they've got uh, mountains and, and grow much different grapes. so Maryland's got a really big diversity of of the different grapes they grow and different wines they make.
4: Mm, we're coming back, that's for sure. I mean it was and then at the same time you have you know we were in we were just outside Gettysburg in Tawnytown am, Tawny am I saying mm-hmm. it correctly Tawnytown. Yeah. I mean, we've been all over your state, and and we were actually just drove through <laughs> the other day, and we're like, no, there's wine there. We need to stop. So, it's really great here <laughs> the diversity. But you're also doing a lot of agriculture out there. I know that you're involved with soy farming too, soybean farming.
3: Yeah, we we started as a grain farm and needed hmm. to diversify our farm. Um, you, you, the, the grapes are really what uh, what brought us into wine. Um, We wanted a crop that we could do a good job with. Uh, The University of Maryland got a grape researcher uh, back just after 2000 who really helped figure out what grapes are going to grow best for us and what areas they're going to do, how to take care of them, and that really helped us in a lot of wineries get started and really start to grow great grapes and be able to make great wines.
4: Hmm. That's very cool, very, very cool. Um, So, uh, Carol, I want to swing back to you because this whole craft wine Association. I think it's amazing that there's an association. What led you to start the association and get into the world of craft wine?
6: Well, um, uh, my background is in emerging technologies. I worked in the Silicon Valley and in California and did a, a bunch of things in the emerging markets and retired, uh, promptly spunked retirement and found myself in culinary school, uh, Mm. drew toward the wine program and became a certified sommelier. And so now I have my my shiny new certified sommelier level two and started pouring for some friends of mine who had a winery in Oregon. Mm. And this winery, the wines are amazing. I mean, it's just they're some of the best I've had. And I've traveled around the world and and tasted wines from all over the EU, as places as far away as Moldova. Um, and these were just spectacular wines, but they were having such a hard time getting to market and Mm. at that moment it occurred to me that my background in emerging markets could help develop a market for Mm. craft wine Mm. and this is small production handmade non-corporate wines that Mm. it's very difficult to get a voice in the marketplace for those types of wine
4: you know what I I just want to bow down because see what you're doing because I think it's something I wish you'd be in all other industries too I think it's very hard to be in an independent business mm-hmm. now, no matter what you're doing yeah and I know when Nancy and I came back from South Africa to this country in the late nineties and we started well mid nineties and we started our business in ninety seven our magazine back in the print days pre google and all of that, you know America's backbone was a small business, and it shifted so much and It's just we've been saying this over the last few years. Nancy and I, even as we've traveled the country, we're doing a lot with parks and public lands, but now we're starting this whole new thing called the American Story Project, which is about entrepreneurs, whether it's bed and breakfast owners, winemakers, cheesemakers, you know, farmers. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, the backbone of America, and I think what you are doing is so crucial because winemaking is expensive. It's hard work and it how do you how do you rise to the top of you know if someone wants to buy wine how do you get there it's the same as a musician if you don't have so many followers on Facebook and so many record sales you don't get in you don't get the the record label even the independent record labels won't look at you so I think what you're doing is
6: crucial really well, and, and thank you for that and I Um, I'm glad you mentioned musicians because one of the things I did early in my career was I worked in recording studios. I was an engineer Uh in a recording studio. And these jazz musicians would come in and they would have outside jobs and
2: Mm -hmm. they
6: would, everything that they had, they would pour into recording their music Mm -hmm. and playing their music. And I didn't see that kind of fervor again until I met these winemakers Mm -hmm. where it was not something they did because they, just I don't know on a whim decided to but it was something that in some ways they had to do it was such a part of them that this was something they really had to pursue so um, that was part of what connected me to this too I don't have that artistic skill that it takes to make that wine I'm much more analytical but I knew that I had this skill in the emerging markets and that could help keep this very precious thing that we have across the country alive which is craft wine but that is an artistic skill right yeah. there. I think so. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> I mean, everybody has their little niche, you know, of what they they want to do and should be doing, and so many people never get to do what mm-hmm. they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is like um, somebody starts with a great product, and when it goes corporate, then, you know, the bottom dollar is the the thing that counts, more than the quality and that's where you lose out on that dream. So I applaud small business people, wineries, restaurants, whatever who can keep it their own within their own passion because it's not easy.
4: Exactly. I I also want to go to Diva Linda here. Diva Linda, I know you've traveled the world, you know, tasting wine and shopping and everything, you know. Um and it's been interesting over the years watching your journal, journey as a travel writer. Um, and wine writer, um, you used to do a lot of luxury, and then I've seen you go into no, you know what? I'm more interested in the small independent story. i you know, watching your journey, has been cool for Nancy and I. And having traveled with you, it's been <laughs> awesome
1: um,
4: because she does teach you about like this wine is too chilled. You need to warm it up. <laughs> you need to do this, you know, to make it, you know, work. Um, what led you to say, hey, I want to do a story in the craft wines?
5: Well, when I was the director of a wine region, it was a very small wine region, uh, one of the things that I noticed was, um, and it's things you don't really think about as a wine drinker, but as a business person, it becomes quite clear that the the wineries, the small craft wineries, tend to sell more wine out of their tasting room than they do on the mass market. There just isn't shelf space for them. The cost to... um, To do the business part of it. So let's say that you have 5,000 cases of something and you would like everybody in your area and beyond to be able to taste it. Uh, It would just seem, oh, how hard could it be to get uh, into a supermarket or a restaurant or even an event uh, to get people to understand your wines? And, oh, my gosh, what what a struggle. Um, First Mm -hmm. you have to hire somebody that you weren't expecting to hire. Then you have to have generally – a refrigerated truck or a uh, uh, some kind of truck that you can um, transport this stuff, Then you have to worry about returns, and it just goes on and on. So they're really great wines. So once you start tasting t- small craft wines, which I was able to do for about eight, nine years, um, you begin to see that there's not only are the wines...
0: Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time.
1: Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better...
5: better in many cases. They they have a better story behind them. So, uh, so I haven't done that job in probably 10 years. And uh, when we had a seminar on craft wines, it just brought up all these great memories. And I thought, you know, we need to, uh, there wasn't a small craft wines uh, association when I was director. And, you know, it would have been really, really helpful, I think, for our I think there were 23 winers at that time. There's over 45, I think, now. But uh, to have had this association that cares deeply about promoting and getting the word out about uh, small lots, small small crafts. And they're also called allocated wines. So if you're lucky enough to have uh, some champions out there in the restaurants or the tasting bars uh, and so forth, that love you, if you only have a very small amount of wine, you can't be giving them all that wine. It, it, it becomes mm-hmm. allocated wine, and, and then so maybe tasting bar one gets, you know, one case or two cases, and a restaurant two gets, you know, two cases and so forth. And that's just a lot. It's a lot of hard mm-hmm. work. I'm, I'm wondering, um, at Layton's Chance, do you know what the ratio is between how much how much wine you sell at your tasting room compared to what you sell outside of your tasting room? Do you know what the ratio is?
7: Well, I will tell you, obviously, this year it's changed. Oh, yeah.
5: <laughs> but in the past, uh, it's about in, 30%. In the past,
3: through distribution, about 70% through our tasting room.
5: And Mm -hmm. I think that that falls right along, uh, if not even more, than uh, what I used to see in Temecula. uh, And it's always, uh, I don't know, at first I thought, well, how could that be? Because these are such great wines. Wouldn't every restaurant, tasting room, supermarket want to give shelf space? But... You see, you soon learn that uh, unless it's a high volume line that can be sold at a very small price because the margins on a lot of these other businesses, these outside businesses, are very small too. I you know sometimes it's just easier to say, you know, I, you know, I give up. I, I you know we're doing well in our tasting room, but you know it's very sad that the rest of the, of the U.S. doesn't get to experience what you have to offer, especially in your case where you use some um lesser known grapes you have norton and some other ones um you you obviously have uh cab franc and all those as well but um what are your main grapes that you use that you're utilizing for your uh uh bottlings uh,
3: our main grapes are chamborson vidal cab franc and norton mm-hmm.
5: And so I mean, some I'm of those, yeah, some of those won't be familiar to those listening, but they mm-hmm. all have, uh, and that's the and that's the fun part of wine tasting. That's the funnest part of right. finding craft wines. Uh, and gosh, this association has a great website where you can find all these uh, where the, the you know where the certified craft wine association members are near you. And you can even buy the wine via if uh via online. Now not every uh city, not every state allows wine to be imported because the city, the government, the state government makes it so darn hard. I once took a class in compliance because I all I heard plenty complaints about compliance. You know, and I thought, How? How hard can it be? You know, it's a few rules. Ha 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 uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's, huge. it's huge and it changes like every five seconds. That's why they give you a spiral bound. At that time, I'm sure it's all now on, on computer. But oh my lord, you know, State A won't let you come in unless you pay this. And State B doesn't want you at all. And State C is a combination. So just the paperwork alone, I think, in some, in some respects, for these small. Craft small lot wineries is is overwhelming. I mean, uh, maybe you do it with uh, grace and, and uh, focus, but I'll tell you what: one class in compliance on how to ship wine, and you know, I said, "Well, that probably isn't the job for me. I'll stick with what I'm doing."
4: <laughs> I, I do. I do want to bring our next guest on, who is Bill Schenkel, owner of Tranquil Heart Vineyard and Winery, over in Southern California. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm fine. Can you hear me? All right.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you in Temecula?
2: No, I'm in a little town called Hemet, which is basically oh, yeah. due, due north of Temecula by maybe fifteen or twenty miles by the way the crow flies.
4: Hey, you, yeah. your yeah. area is like you're allowed to have Adobe houses in your areas. I recall <laughs> you in the first. <laughs> yeah,
2: we are definitely a completely different uh, climate than Temecula is where the Fallbrook is different than Temecula, and then we're just as different as that as Fallbrook is to Temecula as we are to uh, Temecula. We're, we we can get up to 115 degrees this year for maybe 14 days.
4: Wow. Wow. And it's so amazing yeah. what's going on in, in your region, Hemet, Fallbrook, Temecula, then Julian, Ramona, Pala, mm-hmm. even Pala-making wine, all in that area. Um, it's just – it seems – it's interesting how San Diego has got this major brew scene, and then at the same time, the wineries are like, stand back, man. We're coming in, <laughs> like a Southern California uh, wineries. There's, there's,
2: there's a whole lot of them down in San Diego County now, just as well as Temecula, but I'm the only one in Emmett.
4: Oh, really? Wow. You go right on. <laughs> well, that is so, well you,
2: And then when we started, have- everybody told me, no way, you'll never do it, but... uh We've we've definitely proved them wrong with some top quality wines.
4: I have to ask: Do you still have a stripper museum? You, you remember <laughs> that? You know what I'm talking about? The stripper museum?
2: Um, no, I don't know. are <laughs> th- it's actually oh, a boy. burlesque.
4: It's about the burlesque. It's actually burlesque, but they half the people would say stripper. It was a burlesque museum way back when. I would yeah. say about t- fifteen years ago. I don't know if it's still open, but anyway, it has well, nothing a, to do with the a, wine. But there's a
2: there's a tea room in town where I think they do some shows, so maybe that's it. I've never been in it, though.
4: Oh, I just <laughs> had to bring that up, because it's like I haven't talked to someone from Hemet for years, so I'm really glad you're on the show. Uh, Diva Linda, you got to taste some of uh, the wines, you know, uh, from Bill uh, over at Tranquil yeah. Heart.
5: Yeah, and and as did many of my uh, fellow wine writers, and uh, like it says, they're sort of Mediterranean-type wines, uh again we have uh one that's a little than the other, but uh it was uh his uh, his rose uh is really truly excellent and uh his wild red reserve also. You know, small lots, thirty eight cases, who knew? Um mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I would like both, uh, both of the wineries present to sort of give us a short overview of their taste profile. When we taste your wines, Bill, let's start with Bill, what, what can we expect from your wines? Uh, fruit forward, high sugars, low sugars, uh, I, I think you make a, a variety of, of wines. But in general, if uh, I was going to tell somebody what type of wines you produce, what would you say?
2: Um. Um. It, it ranges depending on reds versus whites. On my reds, we're all on the dry side. Um, we have uh, Barbera, which is extremely fruit forward. Um, a little oak. You know, we we put quite a bit of oak in it, and and most of my barrels now. We did an analysis the other day on how long that we keep most of our bar- our wines in the barrels, and it's a minimum of 28 months. Uh, wow. So there is some oakiness to the Barbera, but yet there's still a lot of fruit forwardness. Um, because we're in uh, Hemet and we have these extreme temperatures, and uh, we grow only the varieties that are basically, like somebody said, Mediterranean. And um, our alcohol levels are a little bit higher than most wines because our sugar levels are a little bit higher when we, when we harvest because of temperature. Um, uh-huh. And then our Go is extremely bold. Um, it's almost a black ink in color. And um, wow. once again, dry, but it, it, boy, it just, it flat screams for prime rib or, or some sort of red meat. Um, uh, the Ionico, I consider spicy, uh, spicy wine. It's a little lighter, but the flavor on it is incredible. Um, it just has a lot of spicy notes, a lot of peppery, uh, tobacco. Um, and, Nancy, it sounds uh, like your style. <laughs> <laughs> and then we made a blend of all three of those where we basically took, uh, a, a 50, 30, 20% of Barbera, Paroligo and a Yannico, and, uh, you know, when I started making wines, I always thought blends were something that you weren't proud of. I I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, you know, blends were an afterthought. Well, this blend becomes our number one seller. Everybody loves it. it. It hits everybody's palate just right. And uh, it doesn't matter what you like or prefer when you drink the the blend; it's just spot on. So it's it's got a combination of everything. Okay. And then the whites. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
5: No, that's I right. go ahead on whites.
2: The whites. The the whites. Um, I I have three varieties, and I'll start with the Muscat Canali. Which everybody considers Moscato. Um, we don't name it Moscato, but we we keep it by its original name, varietal. And the first year I made it, um, it was point two seven five RS, which is residual sugar. Oh.
7: Oh. So it's
2: it's not real sweet. It's actually mm-hmm. um, extremely refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, much not as sweet as most moscatoes when you first drink them, and then the second year, I asked my winemaker who is out of Guadalupe Valley in Mexico, and we, we think alike, we have the same mindset as far as the growing of organic grapes um, no pesticides, no Roundup, uh, as little sulfites as possible. Matter of fact, we don't really think we add any sulfites. It's just what's naturally in the, in, in the grapes, um, and but there is he speaks he speaks English, but still sometimes we have a little you know difference in the way we say <laughs> things. So I told him I wanted the Moscato point two five less RS for the next year, and he heard point seven five. So. The next year, it's almost like a dry Moscato, <laughs> just a hint of sweetness. Uh-huh. And at first I thought, oh, man, that's not what I wanted and everything. But once people started drinking it, they just absolutely love it. And then we would kind of add some things to it, like a, 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 a blood orange, um, or oh, what do you call it, a blood orange, uh, oh, Oh, there's a brand out. There. I think of the name, but it, and we make a mimosa out of it, and it just turns it incredible. So it, it has the flavors, uh, just a hint of sweetness, and then um, my second, or actually my all-time favorite white that I grow is Fiano, and ah. it's uh, it's once again it's dry, but you think it's sweet because it has so much fruitiness to it. But when you do an analysis on it, it is completely dry, but you can't even tell. Now, uh, it,
5: what, it, uh, what, what is the price range of your wine that you're currently selling,
2: from low to high? Low to high. My, my whites are twenty eight dollars. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh,
2: I think Viognier's is thirty four, and the Bianca Barbera, which is a rosé, is thirty four, and then my reds range from sixty eight up to ninety three.
5: Okay, so that might surprise some people and wonder how the why the price point is so high. But in my experience, uh, these are small lot wines. You're not making, you know, uh, 500,000 cases of something. They're, uh, oh, absolutely and, not. And, and it just takes it's money to make these small lot wines. And people who come to your winery and taste your wines, should just suck it up and, uh, you know, give it a try and, uh, and appreciate the fact that somebody's doing something beyond uh, mediocre. I'd like to switch over to um, Leighton's Chance. Would you please give us sort of a taste profile of your wines in general, please?
3: Sure. So uh, we try and do an equal amount of sweet and dry wines. Um, as you said at the beginning of the program, people – Tend to talk dry, but but mm-hmm. buy sweet. So uh, certainly, as as the wine mess-
0: membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel time.
1: Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better.
3: Love the dry wines and to make make really nice reserve wines, but but people want to buy sweet wines, so we try and have an equal number of each. Mm -hmm. Um, Overall, we make very uh, light fruit-forward wines. Um, I don't put anything in a barrel at all. Everything's done stainless steel. Um, A couple of the reserves we do use oak chips on um, to give it a little more body and a little more flavor, um, our reds. Uh, Chamberson is, is really our best uh, red grape, and it's it's kind of a lighter grape. It's very similar to Pinot Noir for those who aren't, aren't yeah. familiar with Chamberson. Um, I like that. It's a very versatile grape. Um, I, make, I make varietals. We make our red blend with it. Uh, we make uh, both our rosés with it um, and, and even a, a sweeter, a semi-sweet wine with it blended with uh, catawba. Um, so it, it's real versatile for us. Um, but what we try and keep, keep the wines on the lighter side, and, and we, we like uh, local flavors, so we do several fruit wines. Uh, strawberry and watermelon are grown, very, uh, are, are grown a lot in this area, so it's very easy to get plenty of that fruit to, to make a fruit wine from. Um, we bring in 2,500 pounds of strawberries uh, to make our strawberry wine and, wow. and over 600 watermelons to make our watermelon wine.
4: Wow, because right now you know Nancy and I are enjoying the Vintners Reserve the 2018, and it's it's amazing because it is it's a it's a full wine. It's like hello, I'm here, but it's light, like you're saying with the Pinot Noir. It's almost like that, but it's not. It's a blend, right? And that's got the Chamberson yeah. grapes with this. It this is so. Yeah. I think even for Thanksgiving, people could be enjoying this with their turkey. It's that light, even though it's full. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes.
3: Yeah. It is. It's a full wine, but none of ours are real heavy. Like I said, I'm not real big on, on heavy-looking wines. We're not chewing wines. it. we're not chewing it. Like our normal red blend, our Farm Red, doesn't have any oak on it. and I, That seems to me kind of unusual. Most reds spend some time on oak, but I, I like it that way. I think it's it's fruitier, It's it's a little lighter, but it's just such a nice, easy wine to drink and enjoy. So and to mm-hmm. me, it's one of the great things about small wineries and craft wineries is that we all have our different flavors. I mean, I like the lighter stainless steel wines. Other wineries have the heavier wines. Other wineries uh, do different grapes, but, but we each just kind of have our own flavor.
4: Mm. I wanted to ask Jen, Jennifer, you know, she's a general manager. <laughs> she's running the tasting room and everything. What's the experience like in the tasting room? I mean, do you have people come in there? I mean, What's that like? Because I think it's it's such an interesting thing how the wine industry has changed over the years, and it's very hard for craft wineries to now welcome people into their tasting room. Or maybe that's the important thing for you. What's that like in your experience? Because um, we want to come and experience it both of, both of your tasting rooms. We're, <laughs> we're, yeah, I mean, what's what's that like for folks and, well, and being able to satisfy and and educate without That's the thing. I think like 10, 15 years ago, it was almost snobby. The wine industry was almost so snobby that the younger generation kind of didn't know where to go with it. And now I've seen that it's changed drastically, actually.
7: When you say snobby, that was the one thing when we were building this, we decided we didn't want to have. We wanted to make wine accessible for people and that we're not trying to intimidate them Mm. um so and we knew we picked grapes that were not known to people so when we started this we knew there was going to be a fair amount of customer education Mm. because a merlot will never ripen here we can't we just grow bad merlot so we can't do that we picked we're farmers we grew grapes or that we knew would grow well here and make a better wine. But we knew our staff would have to, us and our staff, be able to educate people on what that means. And you know what? If you like sweet wines, Good more view. than 50% of America does. Like, yeah. we're not putting you down because you like sweet wines. We have something for you. Like we've, we built it that way from the beginning because, you know, it's not our place to tell somebody what they should like. (laughs) That was always felt.
4: Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's like art. You know, that's the that's what I love. That even the association is craft wines because it is craft wine association. It means it's a craft. It's an art. And everybody has a different opinion of what art is. Or you can, We can all listen to the same song, right, Carol? And we're all going to yeah. have a different opinion or meaning or sentiment to that song. And that's the same with wine. And so do you find, Carol, with what you're doing with the association, that there is an education component to, you know, not like stuffing down, this is this grape, that grape, but um, there's a balance between it to get folks to kind of understand and to go on a A learning adventure. I look at wine tasting as a safari. You know, it's like, hey, man, everybody's a little different. Let's go in and see what we like, and and you grow from there. And, and Linda, you highlighted that really well in your article about, like, hey, there's just as you – the more you taste, the better you get at it and the more you enjoy, (laughs) you know.
5: And that would be true. uh, And I liken this to – I want everybody to think about when you are young – and uh, maybe on your way to uh, school or wherever, you stop at a supermarket, and, and you buy the least expensive candy available, right? Smarties, Hershey chocolate, and so forth. And that, that makes your palate sing. You're, you're quite happy with that. But as you grow, if you eat enough of these products, uh, you soon begin to say, you know, I, there's got to be more than this waxy seal or this high sugar content, and you move on to C's, Godiva, or others. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just your palate uh, progressing. It's just maturing. It is just what happens. It does not mean that you can't enjoy the other wines that you were sort of growing up with or started mm-hmm. at, it just means that you're ready for more, and it's actually it's quite exciting. Um, you know what is interesting about these two wineries that we have, changing subjects, the two wineries that we have um, uh, on today is that both take a very different approach to their tasting rooms. Bill, can you tell us a little bit um, about Tranquil Heart, uh, how you sell your wines, and uh, the fact that yours is not a public tasting room and why you decided to do that.
2: Well, we, we're, we are a private membership at this point, um, mainly because the county has a long list of uh, requirements that have more money than I have, <laughs> to be honest. So, uh-huh. um One of the ways that I set it up, and I'm doing this out of pocket, and I have since day one, um, we we set it up as private membership. So you have to be a member to be able to come into the property, and that takes care of the requirements of the county. Most of our sales are through our wine club um, and direct-to-consumer. And then we also have what we call the Founders Club, which is uh, our members. So I, I was listening to... The other winery there, and I'm really intrigued by their fruit, fruit, strawberry in their wines and things like that. I would love to do that. I'd love to maybe swap some bottles with them. It sounds really interesting. All mine are extremely bold and strong. We use. I, I when he said he only put the in stainless tanks. I just bought another 42 French barrels. Yeah. I only use French <laughs> barrels. <laughs> you know, and that and that price tag's 50 grand, and my eyes yep. kind of perked up but um uh definitely two different types of wines and and um I'm intrigued with theirs and hopefully others will be intrigued with our our type. Um mm. so uh currently we don't have a tasting room open so uh covid didn't kill us by shutting down cuz we weren't already we weren't open but um everybody just orders it and we ship it out so that's how we do it. Okay that's so
5: I think um, in my experience you will find less private member only than you will open to the tasting uh, community. But uh, I think there's something sort of intriguing about being part of a uh, member only member only tasting sort of winery. It's very intriguing. I've been uh, members of several of those and you feel so special and uh, generally, you get a very nice discount on the wines compared to what they might be selling them to non members. So, I think it's a, and especially having been uh, worked in that area, I know that particular county has quite a few restrictions, some that you just shake your head at and some you can understand. So, you know, good for you to be able to figure it out Uh, because some people just go through this, you know, I thought it was going to be fun, but you're not making it fun. You're making my life miserable. And uh, and uh, of course the fees and the assessments and uh, if they find a skeleton of any sort on your property and you know this that and the other thing
2: is just
5: uh, is just prohibitive. Now let me tell us a little bit about um, their tasting room and uh, but I guess those do you have the wine club and member only event?
2: Uh you, you I'm sorry you, you, Just, you got muffled there I hear couldn't hear, hear the question. Yeah, oh, I I'm, don't
5: know.
4: There's a muffling going on and there's some it sounds like almost like someone's driving or something. Um oh, no, so, I'm
5: here. I'm here. Oh, I, so okay. I, I said um so uh ring chance explained that they're open to the public. But I bet that they have a uh, wine club and members only events, is that correct?
7: Yes, we do. We are open to the public, um, and it is a very different landscape in Maryland than it is where Bill is. So for us, um, you know, it's we've been open to the public, but we do have a wine club, and um, luckily we have an absolutely fabulous relationship with our wine club, and even through COVID, we haven't seen um a downturn in cancellations, or like uh, great. We still we're maintaining our members. There may be a, be a few that are canceling, but there is more joining. So mm. we've been very lucky. Um, we consider them our family. But I have always loved the idea that people did founder members. I wish I would have thought of that when we were starting. Um, mm. But it's you know we're it's great to be open to the public but we have a huge picnic area and we've had Ooh. pretty great weather this summer so social distancing and areas for people to enjoy it and we've like changed our tastings to how you can take them outside William and I have created videos so that he can go through the wines with you Oh, Even though so awesome. we can't, we can't, you know, give that experience like we used to inside the tasting room. You can get your flight and go outside, and he'll, you know, you can watch the video and he'll go through the wines with you. So it's that's been awesome. so yeah, that's very awesome. different.
5: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've uh, heard about that lately. So I think that's pretty good. I'd like to move back to Carol. Carol, uh, the holidays are coming, and uh, for those people who've been listening and are thinking maybe a really good house uh, present, uh, 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 hostess gift, or a Christmas gift for one of these craft, from one of these craft wineries, you've made it very easy. I've been on the site. Can you tell us? I think it's called Next Next, Next Crush. Of- yeah, it's yeah, so it's, it's the Next sense. Crush. Yeah, Next Crush
6: without the E, so nxtcrush.com. This is a collection of um, craft wineries. They're all certified craft wineries. They're all members. This actually was provided by our sponsor, Vino Shipper. Vino Shipper is a oh. compliance group that manages um, the compliance and the shopping carts and that sort of thing for a number of wineries. And so what they did for us was any winery who is a Vino Shipper participant that also is a member, is on Next Crush. They created a single shopping cart, so I can go in or you can go in or anyone can go in and buy wine from around the country, and provided the state that you live in allows it to be shipped in, it can be shipped from multiple wineries to you. The other thing that's important about Next Crush from a winery perspective is because we're using the Vino Shipper back end, the same one that the wineries use, it doesn't cost them any more for a bottle of wine to be sold on Next Crush as it does for that same bottle of wine to be sold on their mm-hmm. website.
5: Ooh, so the winery gets awesome.
6: exactly the same amount of money. The association doesn't add a dollar or any of that sort of thing. This is part of our mission to make craft wine available across the country.
7: We're very oh, proud of it. Awesome. You I
5: think of all. Out. Go ahead. I was listening. I think of all the things that you could have done for your members, this might be uh, – really really important
0: Um, the ease of membership fees apply after free trial cancel anytime okay so why do people love my total body bar workouts because they work my clients get an amazing workout and great results I'm Andrea Rogers, professional dancer and trainer, and my Extend Bar classes are fun, only 30 minutes, and proven to help you get sculpted, lean, and strong. And right now, you can stream my Extend Bar classes for free on the Beachbody On Demand app. See how effective these workouts truly are. Start for free today at beachbody.com.
5: Getting small craft wines, small lot wines, craft wines, small lot wines, allocated wines, all sort of the same uh, meaning in one place, I think it's just amazing. I mean, you, you can order anything from your members, and uh, it can be shipped directly if if the state allows. it. Uh, I just think that's brilliant, and I think that's well worth whatever member fees you're charging your uh, your winery members. I'm really really pleased about that. I wish I'd thought about that. That's a you really see, she's, I was she's director, a shopping diva. Yeah, I, I really you like that bag. idea. That's really quite brilliant. Uh, and we're
6: we're pretty excited because we're just about to start promoting that website uh, for the holidays that are coming up. So awesome. we found last year when we did this, it brought a lot of new people into uh, these craft wineries themselves. What we really want is for someone to go to Next Crush, try something they've never tried before, fall in love with it, and then end up on the wine wineries um, membership program or um, become a member in whatever the winery has got to offer, but to fall in love with these individual wineries. It's really not about following, mm-hmm. falling in love with us as an organization. For us, what we really, really, really want to showcase is these wineries across the country and how and different they are and how connected they are to their community. It's just, to me, a wonderful thing.
4: Well, I wanted to ask about that because Nancy and I travel the country, and I know we kind of touched on this before the, the show, before we recorded, um, is the members, getting members on board who um, can join because we're finding all kinds of small lot wineries as we travel, and I'd love to see them all on Next Crush and, and be able to ship their wines and have you know people get this uh, because there's phenomenal wines across this country. There's a winery in every state, and as you were saying before we recorded, there's a winery out of every metropolitan area, right, that's accessible. But, um, you know, how do people find out about it? You know, articles and interviews and all that is great, but we want to find a portal. And a lot of wineries don't have a way for people to buy online, like what what you're doing. So um, who can
6: join? So first of all, it's very important that it's not a corporate winery. So We started out by saying, if it's this number of cases, you can join, and then we got approached by some really big players that said, well, we have this label that is this many cases, and so we want to join. And We had to say no, because to us, that's not craft wine. Mm -hmm. Craft wine is um, small production, family-owned, non-corporate. Generally speaking, families own the vineyards and wineries. That's not always the case. We have some wineries that buy grapes from other folks. If that's the case, we want the fruit to be identified from identifiable sources. So not just bulk wines from California. You need to know the vineyard that it came from and how it was grown. The um, The wine has to be made by an actual winemaker. So not a strictly technology or industrial process. There needs to be that human interaction, and that's where you get that intersection of art and science, which is craft. Hmm. Usually... Um, when I'm talking about when someone says, well, how many cases? What I talk about is the first break for the economies of scale. As you're getting larger, you know things get less expensive, and the first break really comes around 5,000 cases. So we do have some wineries that are over 5,000 cases, but under 5,000 is where our target is. Most of our wineries are actually under two. Some of them are just a few hundred. Wow. So case count really isn't the determining factor, but it's the um, the personally owned, the uh, interaction with a real winemaker, something that's wine that comes from heart and soul, and mm. they, they can identify where the fruit comes from. Wow. And,
4: well, mm, this this is incredible because, you know, like when it's small lot like this, that there's only a few bottles of it, and then you taste this most amazing wine, and then it goes away. Right. <laughs> it's like... This is like this, you, you have this experience, and what I love what you're doing in, in the wineries, and both wineries on the show today, uh, you know, Leighton's Chance and also Tranquil Heart Vineyard and Winery, um, you're creating an experience, not an, a, a product. You're creating an experience, and that is so important to our life. Um, you know, as we go through it, this year has been a crazy time, right? And it's going to continue being a little crazy, but at, the, at the same time this is something we can enjoy at home if we can't travel we can enjoy and have an experience we need experiences to be alive and not survive but thrive and so I think what yes, all yes, of yes. you are doing is so important it really is so here's to wine and I mean good wine,
6: wine. absolutely <laughs> and if I can tell a little bit of a story um, we're using the phrase on our website now distinctly American wine and mm-hmm. To me, that's what craft wine is because it's reflective of every place that we go, every community we go to. We go to the wineries, we taste the wines, we meet the people, and it's really integrated in the identity of where those communities are and who those communities are. Mm. The first time that phrase was used, it just came out spontaneously when I was out at Leighton's Chance. It was, gosh, I think February last year. Leighton's Chance was celebrating being the first certified craft winery in Maryland. Oh, awesome. You guys so... Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And being out there and walking the grounds and you see these vineyards, but you can also picture that there were other crops there at other times. Mm-hmm. There's the barn in the background. It's, it's classic Americana, but it's vineyards and not soy or wheat or other things that you might expect. And so uh, as we were toasting William and Jen, uh I called it distinctly American wine and that was a an aha moment for me. That craft wine really isn't Americana trying to be European and it isn't trying to be the same across the country. It's that distinctly it can't be. American it can't be. It can't. The it same can't. way and it I can't I think about even if you're using
4: Barbera, or uh, you know, a Tempranillo, or anything from Italy or France, the the, the, stock, the roots can come here and, and can be grown, but it's still going to take on the climate and the the craft of someone's hands and the process.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: It's impossible for it to be another country's wine. You know, it's like you know, France has Champagne and Burgundy. You know, America has American wines, and they're damn good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know. They're really good, and they've really grown and become something amazing over the years. And we should really strive to include that as part of, like, farm stays, agricultural tourism, all of that. It's part of the makeup of the land. And it is sharing land with, you know, whether it's other wineries or soy or, you know. The other day we were, you know, it's between cattle where we were in in East Tennessee. There were, you know, it's interesting where wine, where you can get wine. And where it grows, like the, where the grapes grow, you wouldn't think, but they do. <laughs> you know, they so do. Um, they do. Thank God.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Thank there's there's a quote from one of our winemakers that um, he's up in the Humboldt area, completely off the grid. So not only is his home off the grid, his winery's off the grid. Hmm. His background is as a mathematical scientist. But they said he found his art in making wine. Mm-hmm. And so he he says that he's a scientist by training, but with wine, he tries to paint the picture of the vineyard season over season.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Because it will never be the same year over year. The life of the vineyard is different year over
7: year. Mm-hmm.
1: And
6: Absolutely. it's that connection with, it's so, and it's wonderful. I mean, that connection with the art and the science, the, experimenting the, this this thing that comes out of the heart and the soul of the winemaker to me it's, it's is amazing. amazing
4: it's the land you're speaking with the land and you've got to also be part of the community to make it work so it's this whole living force so uh really you guys William Bill and Jen you rock And, Carol, you rock (laughs) for what you're doing and putting everyone on the platform, and thank you, Diva Linda, for bringing all of this to our attention. Um, We just really enjoy wine as we're traveling, and it's really exciting what is happening in the world of wine right now. So, again, everyone, go to craftwine.org, and then, Carol, give everybody its next crush. It's nxtcrush.com, right?
6: That's correct.
4: Yeah, go check it out. And then also for Layton's Chance Winery in Maryland, we're coming back. We're coming out there, and we're coming back to Southern California, Bill. So, you know, we, we're going to knock on your door. Uh, but everyone, uh, Layton's, <laughs> Layton's Chance Winery in Maryland, uh, their website is Layton's com. Have I got that right, Jen?
3: That's correct. Yes, you do. Okay.
4: Okay, good. Thank you both for joining us, William and Jennifer, over at Layton's Chance, and uh, thank you, Bill, for joining us over at Tranquil Heart Vineyard and Winery. And you can go to what's the website? TranquilHeartVineyard.com, right?
2: That's correct. Yes.
4: Thank you all for joining and, us. Thank and you. We're also
2: we're also go on ahead. Facebook, so you can we're also on Facebook, so you can look and see all our pictures, and and uh, we we like to post every season of the pictures and then we actually make videos and try to teach everybody what we're doing. And that's all under the videos in the Facebook page. So I appreciate it if you guys go and look and, and uh, we're proud of what we do. So we like to share it.
4: Awesome. Awesome. Everyone, social media, you know, you can keep, keep up with most wineries on there. Uh, Layton's chance winery, uh, William, are you guys there too on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that?
3: Yeah, we're on, uh, On Facebook, Uh, I think we do some Twitter and Instagram. We're not as good as those, but we we do really well with Facebook.
4: Okay, cool, cool. And and, uh, Carol, for you guys over at Craft Wine, you guys are on
6: on social media too. Oh, absolutely. And we try to, whenever possible, do um, special posts from Mm -hmm. our members. So if you want to learn about what's going on in Craft Wine, there you go.
4: Awesome,
6: awesome. And Diva Linda,
4: you can keep up with Diva Linda's adventures. Go to allingoodtaste.info. She does have good taste. You can hear it. (laughs) It's today's show. And also her article, again, is up on blendradioandtv.com. And uh, also keep up with ifwtwa.org. She's the president of the International Food and Wine Travel Writers Association. Uh, Really, they do a good job in keeping wineries in the forefront, travel destinations, And why travel go hand in hand. Thank you all for joining us. We're going to close with the diva, Linda's bossa nova. Thanks for joining us. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Take care, everybody.
5: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.